0: even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you as I uh, still am healing from COVID. So um, you're going to hear a little bit of it in my voice. Still got the fatigue and some brain fog. So um Still going to be uh, crack a lacking, as they say. The uh, show must go on. But just a reminder, if you are not boosted, go get one, y'all. Because if I wasn't double-vaxxed and boosted, I can't imagine how much worse this would be. Because I am weeks in and still not <clears throat> Excuse me, feeling great. So you can hear it. Um, DMs, always open if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always want to hear from you. Uh, and like I said, we're kind of continuing our discussion about uh, being in the new year. And what are the expectations we want to have upon ourselves? We are always moving forward with kindness. We are focusing on self-compassion. We're doing the best we can. (laughs) I'm always reminding myself this. Things are not ideal. Things might not necessarily be going the way we want them to go. uh, But we want to at least have compassion for ourselves. And acceptance. I brought that up on the show last week. We're going to keep weaving that thread in. We're, you know, working on what we can work on. But we're lovingly making room for all the things that maybe we don't have control over or the things that we can't change. So are we setting New Year's resolutions? Not necessarily, but we're aware of where our work is. We're kind of turning down the intensification, uh, contentment is the word, because that's what leads to mental health and happiness. We can't always be wanting to be somewhere else. We can't always be trying to make things bigger, faster, harder, flashier. At some point, kind of settle into what is, and that's where gratitude comes in. Being happy for some of the things we have that we've worked so hard for. And also having an eye on the things that we wish were different. It's a little bit of both, but again, self-compassion. Oh my gosh. I'm saying that all the time to people. People are really great at shame and guilt and itemizing all the things that they don't like about themselves, but um, when we have to talk about the opposite, it gets hard. I remember there was a time when I worked at this treatment center and we began every therapy session by asking, I don't remember if we began this way or ended this way, but we would ask the client to list three things that they liked about themselves. Three compliments, three things they have gratitude for, three things that they thought were what made them valuable, or three strengths. It was really hard for some people. Um, they couldn't do three. Some people really struggled to sit before another person and to talk so lovingly about themselves. So, whenever I hear someone going into shame, I always say, We can, you know, really take accountability for something we might have done or for some things that need to change while also having compassion for ourselves based on where we are and why we got there. It's it's really important. Shame is not a motivating emotion or a motivating state. So um, know that we can have compassion for ourselves. We can also go into acceptance, like I said, which is making room for things as they are, while still acknowledging that there's work to do. All of these things can coexist. But I think sometimes we feel as though if we back off of ourselves or um, bring that care that somehow we're going to become that, that L word, lazy. And it's like, well, we're allowed to have leisure. We're allowed to have pleasure. We're allowed to relax. Um, that isn't laziness. Laziness really isn't a thing. Usually if we're not feeling motivated, it's because whatever it is we're, we think we should be doing or we wish we were doing isn't something that's meaningful for us or it's not reasonable. It's not a reasonable goal based on who we are at that time or the context of our lives. So we want to be very thoughtful about slinging that word around because um it doesn't motivate (laughs) beating ourselves up absolutely doesn't so when we feel ourselves going into shame the antidote to that is self-compassion and when we find ourselves judging ourselves or others we want to go into curiosity i know it feels better when i say that word uh we don't want to judge we just want to say hmm let me observe and notice what's happening um it's softer it's kinder That's um, a better state to put ourselves in. Because again, in this new year, if nothing else, we're working on really paying attention to how all the ways we talk to ourselves and the way all the different ways our lives are structured, how that impacts our mental health. Please. (laughs) We're really good in the new year focusing on physical health. People are like, I'm gonna eat different. I'm gonna get to the gym. I'm gonna move my body. Um, Maybe even go to the doctor and get some medical care. But we tend to not be as great with our mental health, or we don't even really know what that looks like. So if nothing else, there's the two pieces. When you're going into shame, go into compassion instead. And when you're going into judgment, instead go into curiosity. Why is that? What's happening? Let me observe. Let me notice. It's softer. It's kinder. It's more motivating. So try to apply that. And also offer that and give that to those around you, because we can have a really positive influence on those around us. Because remember, our mental health is the uh, accumulation of all those that we spend time around, you know? So, um, that's what I offer y'all, but we're gonna take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to deal with stressful people, people that burn us out. Um, (laughs) ah uh, yes I think we all can relate to that DMs are always open so if you got a DM for us drop those DMs on our Loveline IG page we want to hear from you, questions, topics things you want us to circle back to and as always you can listen to uh, old episodes over at wearechannelq.com scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it you can binge, post, share, we listen but uh, stick around and join us we, we got some gems, we're going to be dropping some gems so you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey stick around y'all because we will be right back
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
1: clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bitch. Music. You said my word.
2: We are back and we're talking about how to deal with difficult people, people that stress us out, people that burn us out. It's an important topic. Now, the easiest answer would be just don't, (laughs) but uh, it doesn't work that way. The world places all different kinds of people in front of us, and uh, sometimes the people that we are in forced relationships with, like if you have a coworker or a friend of a friend or a family member or a family member of someone who's in your life in some kind of important role or dynamic, and <clears throat> the perspective that we're going to take might surprise some of you because often we think that the work is about trying to change other people, and one thing we know is you can't, and we also don't need to. Other people get to live and move through the world in the ways that they choose to. We we don't have a right to try to change other people so that we feel more comfortable around them. Yes, in healthy relationships, we can reflect back to individuals how we feel within the relationship we have with them, and they'll be open to hearing that. Um, but often, we don't have that kind of relationship with some of these people, and so we really have to work on ourselves. So it's really important to first know what your triggers are um we did a whole show on this way back when i'd love to circle back at some point and go through it again but essentially it's this idea that triggers aren't about what's wrong with this other person right? Triggers are about us learning where our work is so that we can eliminate these triggers or at least manage them better. And if we don't know what our triggers are, well, then they're going to remain and they're constantly going to throw us off and they're constantly going to create problems in our lives and in our relationships. So that's why I say whatever relationship it is, even if it's parent-child or peer-to-peer or romantic, uh, relationships become a mirror and we get to see ourselves and learn about ourselves. So take that very seriously because that's going to be the most important first step when we're dealing with people that stress us out or Burn us out is knowing what sets us off. Why does that matter? Well, one, we learn about ourselves <laughs> and we can maybe even eliminate it altogether, knowing, well, I know what comes up when I'm with this person or in these certain situations, so I can prepare for that. Or I can, you know, crank down the severity because that, if nothing else, if people just right sized things, talk about this a lot, that there's a difference between. You know, something that's frustrating and disappointing, which is part of life. We have to learn how to deal with those things and accommodate those things. And so if we know what frustrates us and disappoints us, we can be like, ah, yeah, there it is. And we can bring a softness to it, a sweetness to it. We can even sometimes laugh about our triggers, but we need to know what they are. Some people move through the world thinking that the problem is everyone else. But the problem's actually our experience of things. The problem's often our response to things. Again, the caveat and disclaimer I always want to make sure I throw out there is that if something harmful is happening or if there's an injustice, yes, we we definitely do hold people accountable, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's a disappointment or a frustration, well, then that's our work. And that's what we're kind of talking about. And so knowing what your triggers are helps bring that self-awareness so like i said we can prepare we can bring a lightness to it we can crank down the severity of our response because our response is often what the actual problem is because when we feel out of control we don't tend to say what do we need to do to soothe or settle ourselves we often want the other person to stop doing what they're doing so that we don't have to do our work if they would just not do this thing well then i don't have to work on settling down and it can become infectious. We know that. Limbic resonance, uh, social contagion theory, mirror neurons, empathy, inner subjectivity, whatever concept you want to bring in attachment, we know, and you see this with parents and children, and this is not to knock parents, you all have a rough, tough job, but we see that where a child's dysregulated and then the parent becomes dysregulated and they're yelling at the child to calm down but the parent doesn't even have the ability to calm down as evidenced by them having a meltdown over the child's meltdown. So clearly that child will never learn how to soothe and settle because the parent doesn't even know how to. The parent doesn't know how to train or model that for the child. And the parent thinks the problem is the child's meltdown. And of course that's annoying, but the problem is if the parent could know that that's a trigger for them and they could stay soothed and calm and anchored, not only would it be healthier for them. It would also model and soothe and co-regulate the child. So that's why we always want to start with ourselves first. It goes back to that famous metaphor of put your own mask on before you put on the mask for other people to help them. So we best do that when we understand what our work is. And as we move through the world and we move through the day, we are given a lot of opportunities to learn our triggers. Maybe not so much right now because we're not in the world as extensively <laughs> as we normally are. And uh, I was jokingly say to my clients and on the show that coffee shops are a place where I go often and you get to encounter a lot of different people and a lot of different personality styles and it's a really uh, beautiful mental health gym <laughs> to practice all of this. So start to ask yourself, what are the things that really throw you off? What are the things that are said What are the things that are done um, and what specific people and start to zero in and say, all right, I'm going to work on that attribute. You know, one of the things that's, uh, comes out of the 12 step program. And I work with some clients on this is they do, they look at their character defects and some sponsors will have their sponsees, write them each one on a piece of paper. And every day they'll pull one out and say, today, I'm going to work on this one, this behavior in myself. We're not trying to change others. We're changing ourselves. And they'll track when it comes up and when it comes up, they'll work on it. I think that's a beautiful thing. Look at all the difficult people or the triggers and say, when it comes up, I'm gonna choose to step into the work around that. So as to resolve it, so as to get better with it, so as to build self-awareness, so as to maybe even eliminate it because it impacts those around, us, especially if you have kids. Um, So that's the first thing. And I think, again, that's always that odd piece because people think it's always about what we can do to or with the other, but it's always about first starting with ourselves. Um, that's where mental health work really comes in. So uh, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna keep talking about how to deal with stressful people that burn us out, which often is about work on ourselves and with ourselves, which is difficult, but it's important. Uh, and then of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, question, topic, drop it on in there, that's on our Loveline IG page. And uh, otherwise, uh, sit and process this topic during the break, but stick around, we'll be back, there's more to come listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about how to deal with difficult people that stress us out and burn us out and uh, still got them COVID symptoms. So bear with me, y'all. Uh, my voice is a little off, my focus, but here we are. The show must go on, right? Um, so we were just talking a little bit about triggers and how You know, shockingly for some, the work about dealing with stressful people that burn us out is really going inward, we so want to go outward. We so want to change those around us and the situations around us. But the work is really about going inward and saying, what can I learn about myself in this moment? How can I be a part of shifting and creating that change, if just internally? Because people go off on these meditative retreats, these yoga retreats, and of course, life is great when you're there, but the work is about bringing that back to our daily lives and being able to stay as calm and as centered and anchored in our daily lives. It's, you know, right. It's like when you go to, um, a rehearsal or a scrimmage or a practice, or even to the gym, it's so that you exit and bring all of that with you. And you're a better athlete. Um, you're healthier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the second piece is, uh, to deal with stressful people that burn us out is identify who those people are. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to say something like, and get rid of them because it doesn't work like that. And that's really lazy. And it can't we can't move through the world constantly booting people out that frustrate us. Um, again, injustices and harm is very different. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about anyone who's abusive. Of course, remove yourself from those people. Remove those people from your life. But people that frustrate us, disappoint us, stress us out, those are that's part of being in a relationship. Any any long-term, deep relationship of any kind is going to bring those things up and in. But identify who the more difficult people are. I know that that's going to be your work. I, I, I was reading a long time ago this beautiful book, um, and it was talking about I think it was, re- it was rooted in, in some Eastern philosophy. It was talking about making the more difficult people in your lives your guru, because they have the most to teach you about yourself and the world, where your limits are, uh, where your work is. And I was like, Whoa, that's a heavy reframe. Beautiful. And I think it's so accurate because again, we can't just hide out. We can't boot everyone out. I thought, what a beautiful thing. Identify the more problematic people and and make them your gurus. Um, but what do we do when we're still practicing this work? Well, I always tell people it's the S's social sense of spiritual self-talk and then move. In. It's not an S. I'll work on finding an S for that. And these are ways that in the face of what's going on, we can try to cope. Uh, the first S, social, is connect with someone. Call a friend. Um, maybe you can't do that in the exact moment that you're encountering some of these stressful people that you know are very difficult and burn you out. But that's something that you can do afterwards, you can do beforehand. And yes, sometimes you can do it during. If you're in a difficult moment, you can sometimes step aside or, or turn to someone. Uh, social connection is a really beautiful self-soothing mechanism, so, so utilize that. Another one is senses. What can we do? In, in what in what ways can we harness and use our senses, our vehicles for soothing ourselves? We've talked about this where I said you can attend to smell. Candles can be soothing. Um, essential oils can be soothing. Yes, I've brought them with me knowing I'm going into a difficult meeting or experience or even when I'm on the road lecturing and I'll just put some drops in my hand and sniff it to just calm myself. It's it, Yes, it is calming, but there's also a calming association with it when you utilize it in this way. Uh, other senses, playing music. I utilize that extensively that was a really weird word way to say that word extensively but I do that um, I play before I play during I play after uh, between sessions at times I'll play music to kind of recenter myself to be ready in a very neutral way to step into another therapy session Um, So senses are beautiful. What are you looking at? I surround my desk with beautiful things that I find soothing and grounding. These are ways to still be a part of the world in these relationships, but have things around you that remind you what you want to think, feel, and to ground you. So social, senses, spiritual is another one, keeping with those S's. Pray, centering yourself in your values and ethics, maybe reading different sound bites or mantras. I also have on my phone different quotes or memes that really are meaningful to me and bring me back to how I wanna react or how I wanna think or how I wanna feel. Those are great aids, aids for centering and anchoring. So again, those are the S's, social, the senses, spiritual. Because when you say spiritual, some people think it means God. For some it does, pray. Uh, Read from a holy book. I read a lot of Eastern philosophy. But then for others, it'll just be going back to our values and our ethics or reading something that's powerful, a poem, a statement, a soundbite. And then self-talk. Talk Talk yourself through it. Be your friend. What would you say to a friend? Say that to yourself. You know, be, be with yourself in those moments. Talk yourself through it. It's gonna be okay, I'll get through this. Or, or whatever it is that you need to hear from yourself. We have to be able to do both. It's called the observing ego, or there's this other part of ourselves that's monitoring ourselves, that is with ourselves, that is a companion to ourselves. Allow that, harness that, utilize that. And then finally, there's not a nest for this one, but it's movement. Go for a walk, jump up and down, do jumping jacks, breathe. <laughs> while being with stressful people in situations that are difficult breathing is one of the best ways to regulate our nervous system and to calm ourselves down but sometimes breathing slowing down our breathing deep breathing can feel very overwhelming and sometimes we need to expel the energy and that's when we need to go for a walk or do some push-ups or do jumping jacks or dance it off or shake it off just kind of honor and let your body guide you all right we're gonna take a little break do some dms and then we'll come back and we'll keep talking about how to deal with people that stress us out and burn us out because they're Everywhere Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back.
1: All right. It's time to
2: uh, slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Drop your questions and topics in there. This one says, oh, I see the word Tinder. <laughs> when I see dating app references. I go, uh-oh. Why? Because we are not running them well. I tell everyone make that system better, be kinder, make that system less rough. I always want to use this topic as a call to action. Everyone's feeling beat up. Everyone's been harmed on them. People misuse them. Be better. You know, I I heard a horrifying story and then we'll get to the DM where someone said they swipe yes on everyone. And then based on who responds or swipes back, they then decide who they might be interested in. And I was like, what a misuse. Make your bios honest. Tell people what you're looking for. Don't harm people in the process, you know? All right, let's get into um, our first DM. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I met this guy over Tinder back in June. We've been doing pretty well. All right, he told me he's looking to find someone for the long haul, and that when he talks to someone he's into, he shuts off all communication with everyone else to focus on that person. Cool, same, all right, so far so good. However, just wanna remind people that when someone says that, that means that that's what they want, that that's what they hope they can create with you, but you still have to assess compatibility and give it some time. So that isn't a commitment, that's just a um, a goal. And maybe if it works, it might be you that they're in you know, a long-term with. Anyway, you're both on that page, awesome. Last week, I was scrolling through Bumble with my roommate and his profile came up as we were scrolling. Okay, well, wait a minute, what do you mean you said cool same? Because you're still scrolling on Bumble as well, or was it your roommate's account? Anyway, not trying to call you out, or maybe I am. Nonetheless, Sometimes people forget to delete their accounts. FYI also, unless you act, you can, some people just delete it off their phone, which means the account remains active. You have to actually go into the app and delete it itself. Just FYI, because that's come up before with people, where they're like, oh, I didn't even know it was still on there, I deleted it on my phone. It's like, yes, but the account's still active. Um, Now it's a bad, uh, you said we're scrolling, we saw it now. It's not a bad thing to keep your options open. I'm not mad, I'm still being on the site, but do I have the right to be upset that he lied? If he lied. I don't know that he lied. You need to get more information, you have some questions to ask. Because like I just told you, sometimes people don't realize. Or maybe you said or did something that made them think you weren't serious anymore and they needed to see what other options they have. Don't make assumptions based on one thing you see. I, I tell people this over and over. When in doubt, you have to go ask the person clarifying questions. I know, it's not easy, doesn't always feel great, it's not always comfortable, but this is where we're at. And we desperately have to stop making assumptions about why someone's doing what they're doing. It's called mind reading, that's horrible. We wanna instead be vulnerable and build intimacy by asking questions. So no, you shouldn't be mad because you'd be only mad based on what you've decided the meaning of this person still being on Bumble is. So breathe, ask yourself what is the right sized response? You're a little disappointed, you're a little frustrated, that's a three or four, okay. And then you always then say, what else could be going on? And then you go and you talk to the person. These are basic self-regulation skills. When we're upset or frustrated with something, we always breathe. We right-size it by saying, what level of intensity should this situation have? Then we say, what are other reasons as to why this might be happening to consider possibilities? And then we go check in with the person and we share what we're thinking. I know it's not easy, but the bar's high. We wanna be adults. Hey, I was on Bumble with my roommate looking at their page. Your, your profile came up. Can we talk about it? I was surprised to see that. You had said that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But remember, all you told me they said is they wanted something serious. They never said you guys are monogamous. I never heard you tell me that they said that they're deleting all the apps. I don't know how many times you've gone out with them. If you've only gone out once or twice or three times, they should still be on the apps and they still are looking for something serious. And that's why they're talking to multiple people to see who they're most compatible with. So I don't know if you're expecting too much too soon. I don't know if you're misunderstanding what you were told. I don't know if you're making assumptions, but crank it down and go have an honest adult conversation with this person to find out what is happening. And if you're not ready to do that, well, then you either have to sit in your feelings and keep seeing them anyway, or you have to wait until you're mature enough and you should take a break from dating. But based on what you told me, there's no reason to believe that they're off the apps. So check in, calm down, take a deep breath. I'm on your side, but we can't be running wild making assumptions. All right, y'all, that is that. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around, though. We'll be back more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about ways to deal with people that stress us out and burn us out because again we're not talking about harm or abuse those people we want to remove from our lives we want to set boundaries away from them we're talking about people that frustrate us stress us out um, disappoint us these are people that we need to learn how to encounter people that we need to learn how to deal with we can't remove everyone from our lives and as we're learning the work is often going inward not outward it's not about trying to control others it's about better working with ourselves in those moments. So we talked about knowing what your triggers are so we can be prepared. So we're not overwhelmed. That's, that's the most wisdom-based thing is to know who you are and what your struggles are. Then we're just talking about what you can do in those moments. Um, because they, they sometimes surprise us, but identify who stresses you out or what the situations are. And then we're prepared. We talked about all the S's social, reach out to someone senses what are you listening to what are you looking at what are you smelling bringing all those things in i'm always surrounding myself with these different pieces to soothe me create a safe space then we're talking about spirituality maybe you do pray maybe you read from a spiritual book maybe you read poetry maybe you just come back to what your ethics are a lot of people forget about those things and then there's self-talk be a friend to yourself talk yourself through it we we often underestimate our ability to have this observing ego the secondary part of ourselves that can witness and can be a companion and can be this you know in our internal parent or internal therapist that can be there on the journey with ourselves it's really beautiful and then finally movement using breath if that's something that can calm and soothe or you need to kind of discharge that energy so you run or you walk or you do jumping jacks or you kind of dance it off um, all really powerful stuff. <clears throat> and and then we go into like the the interpersonal because sometimes you can't step out of it and you can't do these different pieces and you have to be present. So the first thing I always remind everyone, and I'm sorry that I keep using these parent-child examples because I'm not implying that parents should be perfect. I'm not trying to shame any parents. These are just very easy examples. You see a child having a meltdown and then you see the parent or caregiver having a meltdown and it's like, well, that's why this is happening. The child doesn't have the skills to self Regulate and it really needs the higher functioning person, the adult or caregiver, to be the regulatory person, to do what the child can't do, to do what they're yelling at the child for not being able to do. Um, so that's the first piece. So what does that really mean? It means regulate yourself first. When in those moments, that's the best position to stay with this person or to engage them with in conversation or whatever it is. Regulate yourself first. And that's going back to those S's. Remember social calling a friend, the senses, the spirituality, the self-talk, the movement, whatever it is, that's how we first deal with difficult people. We first calm ourselves, entering something coming in hot out of 10 never works. Just like they always say, no one in the history of the universe has ever been calmed down by being told to calm down. (laughs) So it's kind of like that your energy will add to the system and it can either be soothing and calming or amplifying and intensifying. I just saw, this is gonna be a very odd example, but I was flipping through the channels and I saw a commercial for a reality show. And the person on the reality show was a coach. And they were like, at the end of the, uh, uh practice, they were like, I just need to get something off my chest. And one of them like nasty tirade. And I thought you're vomiting on them. You're amp, you're, uh, you're amplifying and, 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 dysregulating everyone like come in regulated first. We have this weird idea that just telling it like it is, or speaking our mind or getting it off our chest is somehow healthier, or appropriate, or it's processing, or I'm just sharing my feelings. No, you're not. You're making things worse and you're dis regulated and you're a little out of control. Um, The versions of that should be you get regulated first and until you're at a three or four, you're calm, you keep your mouth shut. (laughs) We don't act or say anything from a place of dysregulation. We don't deal with people that stress us out or burn us out. We're at a seven, eight, a nine or 10. That makes things worse. Our goal has to be repair um, to be able to have our mental health intact through this difficult time. So regulate first regulate then reconnect connect then critique but it's all about regulating and connecting first and then you can lovingly move into and softly what you need to say but you got to right size it we don't come in hot remember that first piece of work is checking in on your own temperature i told this story a long time ago i'm going to tell it again i was at this couple's workshop years and years and years ago and they were using this heart rate monitor and they were saying to individuals, they found a couple in the audience who was willing to come up and like do this exercise. And they were like, I want you guys to bring up a topic. That's very upsetting for you. Um, and they did very easily. And they said, now calm yourselves down and let me know when you're calm. Cause we only reconnect and process and work through a, a fight or conflict when calm. And they read their heart rate and they were like, you guys are not calm. We overestimate Uh, how, how, how long it takes to calm ourselves down or how calm we think we are. So when in doubt, take a little bit more time because the whole goal of this is to keep people in our lives and be able to still function in the world. We're not trying to burn through and burn down things. So get to that regulatory place first. I'm not saying it's easy especially if we were raised as one of those children who had adults and caregivers that were completely dysregulated and never helped us co-regulate or model for us how to soothe and calm down. It's even harder, but it's even more important if we are raised in those families to do this work. So, all right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna keep coming back to this because this is the kind of stuff that's gonna (laughs) literally save your relationships. I know it's difficult work, but it's really important stuff that we have to keep talking more about because I see these really problematic examples normalized in media. So stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and
1: Odyssey. We'll be right back.
2: All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about ways to deal with stress and stressful people, not people that are abusive, not people that are harmful or toxic. We, we remove them from our lives that's different. These are things that frustrate, stress us out, but these are still people that we need or, or want to have around. Uh, before we get back into what to do, I was in just looking at some different stuff for this topic. Um, I thought this was interesting. There's a, there's like a, a hassle test and it's, it, it itemized the things that people find the most stressful. So I thought this was kind of interesting because one of the most important parts of learning how to deal with stressful people is understanding what stressful people or situations are for you. So that's to know and to prepare and to be ready. I thought these were really interesting. So um, and, and they use this word micro stressors because a lot of times they're not these big things or these small things that creep up. So one of the first ones was social commitment. Eh, okay, that's not really that meaningful for me. Another one, though, this one comes up for me a lot, is waiting for people. <laughs> I have a thing about being people running late, making me wait for them. I thought that was interesting. So are you one of those people? Is that something you have to be aware of and track waiting for people? Uh, another one that came up that was, cause again, this is done. This is a research project. Um, having pe- you know, people were filling out inventories to identify these prominent micro stressors. A third popular one was talk or gossip from other people. I guess that's interesting. I wouldn't see that as like a stressor I mean, nothing that feels good, but it's just interesting to see it plugged in here in that way. Um, Conflict or disagreement in the workplace. Yes, that's an understandable micro stressor or for many a macro stressor. Uh, Conflict or disagreement with friends. Conflict or disagreement with loved ones. Conflict or disagreement with people you don't know well, like a neighbor. Conflict or disagreement with your children. See the theme there. It's a lot of conflict and disagreement that tends to be a lot of a stress, a lot of stressors for us. But remember, we're we're talking about how to kind of weather that better. Go through those self-regulatory things: social, spiritual. Senses all of that. Staying calm. Remember, we talked about being regulated before we connect. We don't come in hot. Um, so there's ways to know this ahead of time. Also, what what came up on this list was uh, a lack of support or help from others. These are a little odd. I didn't think that this would be what the most popular stressors are. Someone owing you money or you owing others money. I I think that's a powerful one having to collect money from someone who is, you know, a friend or family member can be very exhausting and very triggering for both parties. You're tired of asking, they're tired of being asked. You're wondering why they won't just pay you back. God bless it. Um, an unexpected or unwanted visit. Is that something that still happens? I don't, I can't remember the last time if ever someone just showed up at my door or my job um, is that something that happens? People do that. I thought people were better about that, especially the technology. You can so easily just shoot someone a text, letting them know you're coming by. And then I love this one, disturbing behavior or the misconduct of others. Yeah, it's pretty stressful, such as reckless smokers, disturbing neighbors. What's a reckless smoker? <laughs> such an odd term. Uh, But as you'll see, a lot of these are interpersonal situations, so I kind of appreciate that. Those are always going to be the most distressing things for us. Um, But this is a different researcher, and what they were saying in in terms of the coping strategies that they recommend for reducing these interpersonal stresses are the first one, um, think of as many ways to change your perception of the situation as you can. They call it a reappraisal. Um, I value that. For me, the way I kind of water that down and make it simpler is just right sizing it. I say that often because I think it's a really great mental health tool. Is this really a, an 8, 9, or a 10? Or is this like a 4 or 5? Because again, if it's an annoyance or a frustration, it should be lower level. It ain't that deep. And we really need to learn how to do that. But we'll amp it up and we'll say things like, I'm so tired of blah, 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 or I'm always da, da. I get it. I get it, but if it's an annoying or frustrating thing, we got to crank it down. It's not that deep. I know it feels that way sometimes, but we really want to understand what severe, what severity really is. We tend to dramatize and catastrophize things, truly, 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 truly. Um, So I do like that, changing your appraisal of situations. Um, Sifting through the stress reducing possibilities you've generated. Oof, that's a mouthful. Basically, we're just talking about coping mechanisms. (laughs) What are your forms of coping? Um, And making sure that they're good for us. Because we use that word, and that that doesn't imply that all of our coping mechanisms are healthy or good for us. We always want to be reassessing the impact they're having, (laughs) because there's some really bad ones. Um, Yeah, like the best forms of coping are, you know, transparently, calmly having a conversation with someone and trying to problem solve, et cetera, et cetera, Right um i love this one seeing the situation as an opportunity to grow i'm i'm in love with that i think that that's the ones that have therapeutic value what can i learn in this what can i learn from this it's not about saying that someone you know isn't to blame necessarily it doesn't mean we're happy about what's happening but we're saying like there might be something of value in here you know what might that be there's a lot we can learn from all sorts of horrible things (laughs) you know and it's not about it that's not putting a silver lining on it it's just kind of being honest Um, but you know, you have to be one of those people like myself who's always trying to be transformed. As I say all the time, I love relationships where I'm transformed and I can transform. Otherwise it feels kind of flat and stiff. Um, I love this one. And this is a little bit about not future tripping as they say, and not catastrophizing. Does this stress imply that it's going to always be a stress? Does the present stress mean it's going to be a future stress? Because sometimes it's just what's happening now. Or sometimes it only feels stressful because of what's going on now. Like think about the world around us. You know, things that are feeling very heavy right now might not if we weren't like myself recovering from COVID where everything feels heavy, or we weren't dealing with what's going on in the world because of COVID and lockdown and financial insecurity and all that. So sometimes it's just contextual, the intensity of it or, or the totality of it. It literally is just born out of the present moment. And we just need to kind of keep our head down, take a deep breath and get through it. And it will resolve itself with time. Don't take on everything, I guess is what I'm saying. Sometimes we just got to like bite our lip and, and push through sometimes there is no solution, you know? Um, all right, take a break. We're going to keep talking about how to deal with people that stress us out and burn us out because it is a life's work. God bless it. All right, y'all, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back.
1: All right, y'all,
2: we are back and we're just kind of finishing our discussion about People, places and things that stress us out and frustrate us. And that is part of life and living in the world. (laughs) And we're just looking at the fact that like some of it's born out of the context of what's happening that in another world, in another time it wouldn't bother us or we'd be able to deal with it better. And we just need to kind of bite our lip, put our head down and wait it out. Sometimes it's going to be there in the future and ongoing, but it's really just about um, knowing that right now we're not feeling at our most robust because of what's going on. I say that often because of COVID, things that maybe wouldn't feel so much intensity if I were feeling better. Um, I don't, I don't want to definitely feel everything through my symptoms. Um, how about also seeing yourself as resilient? I think we're often a little more resilient than we think we are. Um, I think it's really easy when there's a lot of things going on in accumulation to feel a lot more overwhelmed you know, the word resilience is a little triggery and loaded at times because sometimes it implies that the problems with us and that if we could deal with things better, all would be well when sometimes the problem is the system or the cultural norm or value. And we shouldn't have to deal with it. We shouldn't have to be resilient around it. We should have a better world. We should have our needs met in a better way. It's like, Someone was saying a lot of our mental health issues are a result of the idea that our government in the world doesn't take care of us, that we won't get our needs met. If we lived in a world where you were promised healthcare and housing and basic needs, that we wouldn't have a lot of anxiety and depression. But because of our capitalist system, where your worth is tied to your productivity, and you're really not afforded or promised any care because you're just a human, that, that leads to a lot of the issues. So I want to call that out, that we shouldn't need resilience around some things. We should have a better world, uh, but we don't. And so that question comes in, but I want it to be in appropriate ways in appropriate contexts. But until, alas, we live in this perfect utopian world that I want to be a part of creating, (laughs) we will have to use words like resilience. I'll have to go back. I'd written a social media post about it all, about um, how resilience is also often victim blaming. you know, because it really implies that there's these crappy situations instead of looking at the cause. We're like, but you have to be better within it. it's like, you can't always, and maybe that's what I wanna kind of end the segment on is the compassion of, I don't know that there's always a solution to everything. And it's a really hard thing to deliver to some of my patients in my practice where it is about management and just trying to find a way to survive. Um, rough example, if you're a client if you're a client, see, COVID brain. If you're a human being who we've, uh, we've talked about this on the show before, sadly, we live in a world where there's what we call market value in the dating world, where a lot of people have determined certain attributes to be what are most prized and some that aren't. And if you don't meet the weight and height and all these other requirements that everyone's kind of co signed on, although I want to hold space that that is not everyone, there's people like myself that date individuals of all different body shapes sizes races gender expressions i i i I try to step outside of all that but for most of us it's been so reinforced and internalized that that system isn't changing a hundred percent or drastically in our lifetime necessarily and so it's not about well you got to be resilient that's kind of offensive and victim blaming to someone who might not meet these standards um what does that even mean And so the work then is about how do we still thrive or at best survive or find worth and value to the best we can. And I wouldn't want to victim blame by saying the problem is you don't have enough resilience. No, the problem is the systems are toxic and we can't feel our best or survive in them. So how do we mourn the loss of that? How do we safeguard ourselves to the best we can? There isn't an ideal solution when the issues are larger and they're macro and they're systemic. So I always want to kind of just hold space for that when we talk about coping and resilience resilience, and self-care, because what the work really should be is changing those systems. And that's why my listeners, y'all, and other therapists I work with, I always say we have to also target these on a macro level. It can't just be we're trying to put little band-aids on those harmed. Well, let's also try to undo what is causing and sustaining that harm. And with that, I drop the mic and I climb back down off my soapbox. But really think about that. How might you be um, strengthening reinforcing and keeping alive some of the systems that harm you or others? Are you, again, using a dating example, are you on the dating apps engaging in, you know, sexual racism? Are you on the dating apps demanding height requirements as though you would never find someone under a certain height attractive? Yes, you would grow up. That height has nothing to do with anything. I will say that over and over to nausea. Someone's height has literally nothing to do with anything in reference to the important parts of being in a relationship with someone or eroticism. Those are just you you drinking the kool-aid and internalizing social and cultural norms be better than that get that crap off your profile date people of different heights etc 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 you know if not just for you but because you are a person who wants to be a part of the solution so try to identify That I think that's an important part of this work when we talk about dealing with people that stress us out and frustrate us and burn us out. How do we maintain some of those systems? I want to make sure in the new year I'm spending more time really pointing out these problematic and toxic systems that harm us and not just saying we have to be resilient within them. No. It's like when people have a toxic job with a toxic boss and toxic expectations and they're underpaid and overworked and expected to always be on the clock and aren't allowed to have boundaries or downtime. Um, No, we don't offer yoga classes to them. The system is the problem. (laughs) All right, y'all, we're taking a break and then we're gonna do some DMs. Much love to (laughs) y'all. Stick around. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Freak responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back. Time to uh, slide back into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one's to say, Dr. Kristen Loveline, how do you navigate sex with a non-binary person? They were born male, uh, but identifies they and them. And, well, let me let me correct that. They were identified male at birth, and they are a they and them because the languaging matters. Uh, and they, uh, back to your question, you said they have expressed not wanting to have penetrative sex or being touched below the waist. That's not uncommon. Some people have uh, gender or anatomy dysphoria where having anatomy that isn't aligned with who they are really throws them off and our genitals for those that are assigned at birth, the gender that we are, we feel very comfortable with it. If we are assigned male and we are male and we see a penis, we're like, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. But if that's not the case for you, understandably, your penis wouldn't be Sight of pleasure, and it wouldn't really feel like it's a true presentation of who you are. And so, understandably, that wouldn't be something that you necessarily want to have engaged sexually. Also, why we have to ask people, what do you call your genitals? Not everyone calls their penis a penis. Some people don't call the front hole a vagina, and they call it front, you know, their front hole. Um, I know it's graphic terms, but that's actually the correct terminology and that's the appropriate language and there's nothing wrong with those words. Front hole, back hole, vagina, penis. These are all the different ways that some people might see themselves, but you have to ask. Um, You said we've opened, I'm sorry, back to your question. You said we've talked openly about safe words, exploring each other's bodies in other ways. Awesome. Not everyone likes penetrative sex. Some people do, some people don't. So you always want to talk about that. Make no assumptions. Even in cisgendered heterosexual relationships, the man is not always a top or the assertive one. That's toxic masculinity. Uh, Some cis hetero men are bottoms and passive. Remember that. There's a lot of assumptions out there based on people's presentation and genitals. Um, But back to your question, you said, as someone who is so used to and likes penetrative sex, what else can I do? Um, You accept them where they are and based on who they are part of being in a relationship with someone is sometimes having to challenge ourselves, the norms and the expectations we had. It's about being creative. It's about mourning the loss of what we thought, but remind yourself, what's the definition of sex? Why do you have it? We don't have sex just to penetrate. We have sex to connect for fun, for pleasure, whatever it is that still exists in other ways. So you're being required to mature beyond the limited versions of the experiences you've had thus far of just sex is always penetrative. You have to mature beyond that. You're gonna have to expand your ideas of sex. The person has to matter more than just staying in your comfort zone. That's how you adapt, being open to new ways of moving through the world. That's what we all have to go through, no matter what we're familiar with or used to or what it's always been like with a partner, things change disabilities medications their relationship to their bodies the shifting and changing of their bodies aging all these things make us more content and less content more comfortable less comfortable with who we are how we do things where you know being in our body out of our body so this person is awesome i'm sure be better than you know your anxiety acknowledge your anxiety but be open to learning be open to growing because whatever it is like now is not how it will necessarily be three months from now one year from now three years from now five years from now always growing and changing but don't make any assumptions and we should be doing that with all partners You know, we have to be more fluid with all of our partners. We have to always be pushing on our edges. And that's the beauty of being with someone non-traditional or non-standard based on what you're familiar with is we get to learn about ourselves. We get to learn about our limits. So your anxiety is a sign that you need to grow. Value that. Take that challenge on. See the worth in that. You're going to become a better partner, a better sex partner. Penetrative sex gets a boring. It gets old. It's so limited. That's always everyone's obsessive landing point. You're going to find new ways of connecting and using each other's bodies. That's awesome. Value that. That's not a limit. That's an asset. So welcome that. But the partner has to be worth it. Always alright you that's our DMs. If you got a DM, us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want covered, things you want us to circle back to. Past episodes are over. We are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, listen. Lots of good stuff there. It's always about unlearning and then relearning and practicing, so check that out. We'll be back tomorrow night, though, so uh, come back and join us. But in the meantime, in the meantime, what are we focusing on? Rest leisure self-care we're dropping the bar we're not burning ourselves out we're being good to those around us and good to ourselves that's the name of the game right now because that's the mental health focus so um definitely keep bringing that in y'all that's the challenge that's your new year's resolution um but thanks for hanging out with us um and uh y'all enjoy the rest of your night see y'all tomorrow
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news